Thank you, Terry. <clears throat> it's already been a great day, hasn't it? This is a beautiful time of year, and our church is decorated so beautifully. I don't know if you noticed that I was taking videos this morning. Did you see that? So that's going to Japan. We have a church, two churches in Japan, one in Takahama, and we visited them earlier last year and set up a meeting with some women and children and so every month I have been sending videos to them, little devotionals, and I also wanted them to see the beauty of our sanctuary and, and hear us sing. So that's going to Japan, as well as some of the, the songs that the kids sang. So uh, kids, you guys are going to be international stars here. We're going to go to Japan. Yeah, it's pretty good. On May 7, 2000, James Montgomery Boyce stood in the pulpit of the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia for the last time. He had served that church for 32 years as its pastor. He was a well-known Bible scholar, author, um, radio personality, but he was dying of cancer. And his once strong articulate voice and presence in the pulpit was exchanged for a feeble body and weakness. He was able to read the, the text for the day and then provided uh, a few prayer requests of how the congregation could pray for him in what was likely to be and what was his last days. He ended that by saying, and above all, pray for the glory of God. James Montgomery Boyce was somebody who wanted to honor God with his life, wanted the glory of God to be displayed through his life, and on his tombstone is written, inscribed, Soli Deo Gloria, for God's glory alone. That described his life. And that's what I'd like to see accomplished this morning as we look at this text. So would you bow with me? Father, as we look at you and your son as the resurrection and the life, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to see your glory. And Father, you, you told those that were gathered around that they would see your glory. And it's our desire this morning as well, Father. May we see your glory, your beauty. May we desire it. May it fulfill us. May it surround us this morning for your sake and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God's glory is seen through this text. This is perhaps, well, this is the last and perhaps the greatest miracle that Jesus performs prior to his entering into the city of Jerusalem triumphantly. And there are many occasions throughout the New Testament where we see through Jesus God's glory on display. In fact, the Gospel of John opens with a statement of God's glory. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. 
the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John also records Jesus' first miracle, where he turned the water into wine, and this is what he said about that. This, of his miracle, this first of his miracle signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. We, of course, see God's glory at the announcement of his birth as the children were singing, that the glory of the Lord shone around the angels as that announcement was made. And the angels could not contain themselves. They said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And of course, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the resurrection was accomplished by the glory of God. And everything in between, from Jesus' birth to his resurrection from the dead, we see his glory in his miracles, in his transfiguration, in his suffering and crucifixion, in his ascension, and indeed, indeed in his return and victory, in victory and judgment, we will see the glory of God in fact, at the end of human history, when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, it says there will be no need for the sun because the glory of God will provide the light. Jesus is giving us a glimpse of his glory in this text. So when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me even though he dies, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That statement of Jesus being the resurrection and the life is sandwiched between two texts that describe what Jesus wants to accomplish in this. He wants to bring to the disciples' attention, to everyone's attention, his glory. In chapter 11, verse 4, he says this, about Lazarus, that this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And then at the end, when he is at Lazarus' tomb, he said, did I not tell you that you would see the glory of God? And he calls Lazarus forth. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he is telling us a little bit about his glory. He is revealing it in a way so that we can understand it. Now, I'm almost positive that we will be amazed at God's glory throughout all eternity. And although we're getting a, a little glimpse of it here, that's really what it is, just a little glimpse of God's glory. I'm sure we'll be in awe and amazed and desiring more and more of God's glory throughout all eternity. There's so much that could be said in this passage about God's glory, but I'm going to focus on Jesus' statement here about him being the resurrection and the life. There's a contrast here between the life that Jesus is talking about and the death that was experienced by Lazarus. Those who believe, Jesus says, they have life. 
even when they die, they will have life. And that is the resurrection side of Jesus' statement. When he says, I am the resurrection and the life, even when they die, they have life. That is the resurrection. And then he goes on to say, in fact, they will never die. And that aspect of Jesus' statement is the eternal life side of what, what Jesus is trying to portray in communicating the glory of God. And of course, the Gospel of John is full of these kinds of statements. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in 1 John, John records, He who has the Son has life. So embedded in this statement, we see something about the glory of God. And I hope that you're able to catch it this morning. There's nothing that can compare with the glory of God. In Psalm 19, we have this description of the heavens declaring the glory of God. I was really hoping that that today would be one of those beautiful winter sunrises. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, when the sun comes up over the lake. Have you ever seen those beautiful red sky in the morning? How many of you actually are up that time to see those, the sunsets? Yeah. There are plenty of people that do, and they take pictures of it, and they post it on Facebook. So if you've never seen that, um, just take a look on Facebook. But it is worth getting up to see that beautiful display of God's glory, and, and you can be in awe of it. In fact, that's what Scripture wants. That's what God wants, for you to be in awe of his creation. And that is a little glimpse of his glory. I'd have to say that this text takes it a step further. You want to understand something about God's glory? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Can you comprehend what Jesus is trying to say here? My wife and I uh, took a vacation earlier this year. We went to Mammoth Caves, and Mammoth Cave is not really spectacular, except for it's big. It's huge. It's the largest cave in the world, 400 and some odd miles long. Uh, But there's not a lot to see in that cave. It's just big. We did go to another cave called Diamond Cave, and, and that cave was just spectacular. It was beautiful with all the stalactites and stalagmites and beautiful things sparkling off the wall. And, and of course, we had a, a guide with us, but we were the only ones in the cave at that time. And so we asked the, uh, our, our guide, do you think you could just turn the lights off and, and let us feel what it's like to be in this cave in darkness? She said, well, yeah, there's, there's nobody else here but us, so sure. She went over and and turned the lights off, and it is just the darkest dark. You you can't imagine, unless you've been there, the darkest dark you'll ever... You cannot even see your hand in front of your face. It's just nothing. And we had our flashlights with us. I said, do you mind if we do the rest of the tour with just our flashlights? Which is not normally done, but we were the only ones there. She said, sure. You turn on that light 
and the darkness is gone. It dissipates. And, and even though it was the blackest of darkness, that light penetrated it. It could not stop that darkness. Now, Jesus uses that same type of imagery when he talks about him being the light of the world. I think Jesus is notching up a little bit for us what his glory means. And it's not just light and dark, it's life and death. So the life that Jesus gives us penetrates death. Death has no power over the life that Jesus Christ gives us. It's eternal life. It penetrates the darkness. Death cannot penetrate the life that Jesus gives us. Can you wrap your minds around that? All of us one day, unless Jesus comes before we die, will die. But Jesus says, you will never die. He's telling us a little bit about what the glory of God does. It penetrates death. It has no power over death. When the Bible says, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? That is a revelation of God's glory in us. And he put that Jesus put that on display in John chapter 11 so that his disciples would understand, so his disciples would see God's glory. And I really hope that we can see God's glory today in, in this as well. Well, let's just examine what, what Jesus says about Lazarus and what happened. And like I, I just read this in John chapter 4, uh, some messengers come to Jesus and tell him that his friend, his dear friend, is sick. And Jesus' response is, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God and that you will see the Son of Man, the Son of God, glorified through it. That's his statements to, to the disciples. Now, it's likely that by the time the messengers reached Jesus, Lazarus was already dead. If you want to look at the logistics of it and the timing of it, how far away Jesus was and how long it might have taken for the messengers to get here. But that's not, that's not the point that Jesus is trying to, to make here. And the fact that Jesus waits for two days before he goes to see Lazarus, Lazarus, like I said, is likely already dead. Um, and Jewish tradition had this belief that um, after three days, a person's spirit actually leaves. So the fourth day, that dead person is really, really dead. There's no coming back after the, after the fourth day. So Jesus stays a couple extra days, so he times his visit so he would be there at the fourth day. Now, that's not the main point of the story either. It's not what he's, he's really getting at when he's trying to reveal his glory to us. He has something very different in mind. And of course, it is the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead.
Maybe some of you know uh, Lisa Leach. Did you know her? She was a member here at Christ Community Church. Um, she was a member of our mission team, actually. Somewhat reluctantly, she joined. And uh, I told her that if you're going to be part of the mission team, you have to take a mission trip. You have to go somewhere. She said, I'm really afraid of flying. I, I, I get motion sickness, and I, I don't want to be on an airplane or anything. I said, well, that's the only way to get there, actually. Um, and, and you know, in modern air, you've probably just flown around the country in these small, smaller planes, you know, and they're kind of bumpy and everything. And the planes that fly internationally, they're huge. I mean, they're, they're spacious, and they just glide across the sky, you know. No problems whatsoever. So you should be just fine. And she believed me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, she decided to join us. I'd have to say, that flight to South Africa was probably the worst flight I have ever been on. It's, it's the kind that, you know, you drop 100 feet. And, you know, bumpy. The whole, you know, sometimes that happens. Every, this was the whole flight, just about. And we were really quite concerned about her. And, Checked on her every once in a while, and how you doing, Lisa? She, yeah, she's okay. She was okay. Um, God was giving her strength, and you could see it. You really could. And someone that may have panicked in situations like that, she did not, even though she said she was really afraid of flying. Now, had she known that she actually had cancer, um, when she went on this trip, she might not have gone. Because when she got back, she found out that she had cancer, and it was quite serious. And so she began the, the treatments for, for cancer, and her body was getting weaker um, through the, the chemo treatments and, and things like that. And then there was one occasion in her course of, of treatment where she was given some medication that uh, affected her greatly and her heart stopped in her hospital bed. She went into cardiac arrest and died. And the uh, attending physicians and nurses, it took them several minutes to, to get together what they needed to, re to resuscitate Lisa, but she had died in her hospital bed. They did manage to resuscitate her. And when she awoke, she had her arms lifted out and she was crying out, to God, that had a huge impact on her life, the rest of it, anyway. Lisa's body continued to grow weaker and weaker. But if you had the privilege of visiting Lisa at that time, you could see the glory of God in her. You can see it reflected in her face. And obviously it had an impact on me, right? To see that. She was a very quiet person until this happened. And she said, anybody who comes into my hospital room will hear the gospel. She was a bold proclaimer of the gospel for the rest of her life. And this story 
is repeated over and over again in hospital rooms around the country and in places where people are suffering because the glory of God, and this is how the Bible describes it in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, talking about the suffering that we experience as, as believers, that the glory, that the Spirit of God, his glory and his grace rests upon you. And that's what happened to Lisa Leach. That's what happens to so many others that have experienced God's glory. God's glory and his grace rests upon you. And you get a little bit of a glimpse of what life is really like and what life is all about. It is about the glory of God. And whenever we get to see a portrayal of that, we are blessed beyond measure. And so that's what Jesus allowed for his disciples so that they could just get a little glimpse of his glory, the life that penetrates death. And so when Jesus finally reaches the gravesite of Lazarus and he demonstrates his love and concern through his tears for Lazarus and his family, he says to those standing around, take away the stone. Martha objects. Master, it's already been four days. There's going to be an odor. And Jesus said, didn't, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God? Take away the stone. And they did that. And Jesus commanded Lazarus to come forth out of the grave, demonstrating what the glory of God is all about, that the life that he gives penetrates death, just like light penetrates the darkness. And not only did Mary and Martha and those standing around believe, but many believed. Many of the Jews that had come from Jerusalem to mourn with Mary and Martha, when they saw this, they also believed. I mean, who wouldn't? who wouldn't believe after seeing this display of the glory of God that came to faith in Jesus Christ, just like the disciples did when they saw that first miracle, turning water into wine, where God displayed his glory, and the disciples came to faith. And this display of God's glory, the disciples and those around believed. They understood what Jesus was saying. And what I can't understand is what happens next. Those Jews that believed, they went and they told the Pharisees and the scribes what had happened. And so they convened a meeting of the Sanhedrin. And they decided from that point on that Jesus must die. The display of the glory of God, had a, they had a completely different response to it than those that witnessed it. Their response was to reject. Their response was more death. In fact, if you continue reading in this text into chapter 12, you'll read that people came from Jerusalem to visit Lazarus because they heard that he was resurrected from the dead. 
And when they believed, when they saw it and believed it, they also put their faith in Jesus. And you know what the response of the Pharisees and the scribes were? Lazarus must die too. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the glory of God on display and it being rejected for more death? Come here, be like a little glimpse, if you will, standing at Lake Michigan on a, on a beautiful morning where you see that clear sunrise and the beautiful red sky. And we're standing there with a group of people, and I say, isn't this amazing? Isn't this so beautiful? And somebody says, I wish the sun would never rise again. What's wrong with you? This is beautiful. It's beautiful. That would be like hearing this story about God through Jesus Christ putting his glory on display and you saying, I don't want any part of it. I hope you do want a part of it. I hope you do want to see God's glory, not just now, but forever. And if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're not one of those who has seen his glory and believed, today might be the day for you to do that, to put your faith in Jesus, for you to turn your eyes to Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Let's stand and sing that together. That's hymn number 340. Hymn number 340. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And if you haven't done that today, if you haven't turned your eyes to Jesus and looked full in his glorious face, I'm going to stay up here in the front, and if you'd like to come and talk with me about that, or any of our pastors out in the lobby or up front, it would be my honor to talk to you about the glory of God. Let's sing that together.